0: Order. Order. Returning to their debating chamber at two on Tuesday, MPs found the government waiting to put them under urgency to debate two bills worked up during the week's adjournment as the government's initial response to the Kaikara earthquake. Wasting no time, the go-to earthquake response minister in John Key's cabinet rose to present both bills straight after question time.
1: The Honourable Gerry Brownlee, Mr Speaker, I move that urgency be accorded the introduction, first reading and referral to select committee of the Haranui Kaikoura Earthquakes Emergency Relief Bill and the introduction and passing through all stages of the Civil Defence Emergency Management Amendment Act 2016 Amendment Bill.
0: Mr Brownlee then explained the purpose of the first bill.
1: Mr Speaker, the two bills uh, can be described first uh, as a bill that will make legal some of the things that particularly the rural community have had to do Uh, either to get themselves out of their farm properties or perhaps to put uh, water back on for their stock uh, or to uh, re-erect sheds or any other of the things that are necessary uh, to keep a farming operation uh, going, Uh, all generally with the welfare of the animals concerned uh, to the fore.
0: Mr Brownie then turned to the second Bill.
1: Mr Speaker, the uh, Civil Defence Emergency Management Amendment Act 2016 was passed just four days before this earthquake event. It had in it a commencement date of the 14th of May 2017 for uh, what I call transitional powers and authorities. What this bill does is amend the Act further uh, to bring that date forward, but it doesn't put the same obligation on councils that don't need it at this point.
0: Mr Brownlee then launched the first reading of Bill No. 1, which was sent straight to the Local Government and Environment Committee with instructions to report it back by Thursday. The House then, sitting under urgency, completed all stages of Bill No. 2, basically amending its start date before the adjournment at 10 on Tuesday night. Next morning, the local Government and Environment Committee, chaired by National List MP Scott Simpson, met at 9am, set to go through to 6pm to work through the Huranui Kaikaura Earthquakes Emergency Relief Bill with officials and various experts. Working into the night, they reported the bill back on time at 2 on Thursday, only to be given another load of homework for the weekend. Another bill for Mr Brownlee, the Hurunui Kaikara Earthquakes Recovery Bill, which was given a first reading with the agreement of the House, no need for urgency, and sent off to Mr Simpson's committee, this time with instructions that will be back by Tuesday. Mr Speaker, the
1: earthquakes of the 14th of November uh, have left a very indelible mark on communities throughout the upper part of the South Island and in parts of Wellington. It is impossible to fully understand what might be needed to recover from those events. This week, with unanimous support across the House, we've passed legislation that will significantly help in that earthquake recovery. But That alone is not enough. We know that with such a big earthquake and the subsequent aftershocks, uh, the widespread destruction that comes with that will mean that it could be a considerable time uh, before all of the damage is understood and, more importantly, the consequences of that damage is understood in relation to communities' recovery. Mr Speaker, um, like the Canterbury earthquakes, the true uh, scale of it will take some time to determine.
0: While acknowledging the uncertainty created by earthquakes, Mr Brownie donned his civil defence ministerial hat to have himself asked this patsy question by national backbencher Chris Bishop.
2: Uh, How has the 14 November Kaipura earthquake affected the probability of future earthquakes in
0: New Zealand? Responding with a definite maybe, Mr Brownie said GNS Science, the government authority on earthquakes, had observed slow slips between tectonic plates occurring at the same time on both the east and west parts of the lower. North Island, and GNS had also said that an aftershock of the 7.8 magnitude of the quake on November the 14th was unlikely, but possible.
1: As members of the House will understand, it's not scientifically possible to predict earthquakes. However, this ongoing seismic activity is a reminder to us all that we live in a seismically active country, and we should always be prepared for a major earthquake. Supplementary, Mr Speaker. Supplementary question, Chris Bishop.
2: Oh, thank you, Mr Speaker. This is a cracker. What steps can New Zealanders take to be better prepared for a disaster?
1: The Honourable Gerry Brownlee. Mr Speaker, it is a good question and it's not a laughing matter in these circumstances.
0: While Jerry Brownlee worked through the rubble of uncertainty in the aftermath of the Kaikara earthquake, the Speaker, David Carter, announced plans for a new building certain to withstand any earthquake, no matter how big, a ministerial office block to be constructed behind Parliament House on the car park. It was immediately dubbed the Parliamentary Palace by the New Zealand First Party, whose Deputy Leader, Ron Mark, had a question about it for the Prime Minister, John Key, on Tuesday. The
3: House comes to questions for oral answer. Question number one. In the name of Ron Mark.
4: Thank you, Mr Speaker. My question is to the Prime Minister and asks, does he stand by all his statements and if so, how?
3: The right honourable Prime Minister.
4: Minister. Yes, and with fear and trepidation, I'm about to be mauled by the member. (laughs) Supplementary (laughs) question, Ron Mark. Thank you, Mr Speaker. To the Prime Minister, how does he stand by the statement on the new parliamentary palace that, quote, it just makes sense long term for us to own these premises, end of quote, when he does not have the same view on the ownership of state houses or, for that matter, state power companies. The yeah, Right Mr. Honourable Speaker, Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, yes, and I can assure the House that if that member got anywhere near ever being a minister, he'd be the first one round measuring up the carpets trying to check that it was a big enough office for his ego. <laughs>
0: Ron Mark also applied for an urgent debate, getting this decision from the Speaker, David Carter, at the end of Question Time. I
3: have received a letter from Ron Mark seeking to debate, understanding Order 389, the announcement made by the Speaker yesterday to construct a new building for Parliament. The urgent debate is a way of holding the Government accountable for an action for which it is responsible. The Speaker is not part of the Government and is not able to take part in the debate, as a Minister can. I do note that in September 1997, the Speaker granted a similar application for an urgent debate. However, on that occasion, it was in respect of an announcement made by the Government and not by the Speaker.
0: The application is therefore declined. Although the Speaker controls Parliament's grounds and has some powers similar to a Minister's, he can't be questioned in the House, although that didn't deter the New Zealand First Party's Dennis O'Rourke the next day. Mr Speaker, in relation to your decision yesterday to decline an urgent debate under Standing Order 389, in relation to your recent announcement of a new parliamentary building, can you confirm for members that you have received formal Cabinet approval to fund it? Which earned Mr O'Rourke an old-fashioned bums rush.
3: That's not a matter for the House, uh, for the Order of the House at all. If the Member wants to come and see me later on that matter, I'm happy to discuss it. I ruled on the urgent debate yesterday, and that
0: matter is now closed. Not as far as New Zealand First was concerned, their deputy leader was back with this request on Thursday.
3: Point of order? Point of order, Ron Mark. Thank you, Mr
4: Speaker. Sir, I wish to raise an important constitutional point of order, and I do ask that you, not necessarily give a view now, but you deliberate on this over the weekend and advise us of your view. Order,
3: on order, the next sitting order. Day. The the point of order will be heard in silence.
4: Thank you, sir. This relates to the application of the Public Finance Act 1989, where, and I quote, it says, the Appropriation Minister in relation to an appropriation made to an Office of Parliament means the Speaker, end of quote. This appears to contradict your view that you are not a member of the Government When you are in respect of vote parliamentary services and especially for the costs involved in a new parliamentary building?
3: I'll give it some. Very considerable thought over the weekend and come back to the member.
0: New Zealand First also stood alone in opposition to the three Treaty Settlement Bills, passed an extra time on Wednesday morning as Hanea Ahu reports.
5: The three Bills up for their third reading were the Ngaruahine Claims Settlement Bill Anti Te Atiawa Claims Settlement Bill and the Taranaki Iwi Claims Settlement Bill. All were in the name of Treaty Settlements Minister Christopher Finlayson who led off the third reading debate on the Naruwahine Bill.
4: Over the next few hours we will see Naruahine join their Ati Awa and Taranaki Iwi in celebrating the third readings of their settlement bills. Bills that seek to address some of the gravest moments in our country's history and which will hopefully path a, a way for a positive future for the Iwi of Taranaki. To the many people of Naruahine here in the Gallery, uh, I and other Members of Parliament have eagerly awaited this important moment and we feel privileged to be here. You and your tipuna have fought for over 170 years to reach this point, so once again I extend my warmest greetings to you all.
5: Treaty Negotiations Minister Christopher Finlayson, launching the third reading debate on the Ngara Claims Settlement Bill which passed by 108 votes of all parties except New Zealand First, which also voted against Te Ate Awa Claims Settlement Bill and the Taranaki Iwi Claims Settlement Bill. The final result announced by Deputy Speaker Chester Borrows:
4: Members, the ayes are 108 and the noes are 12. (laughs) The motion is agreed to Taranaki Iwi Claims Settlement Bill, 3rd Reading.
0: That report from Manaia Ahu on the three bills passed on Wednesday morning While also passed later that day was a members' bill providing compensation for live organ donors sponsored by National List MP Chris Bishop.
2: There are two main purposes to this bill. The first is to more fairly compensate altruistic New Zealanders who, through the goodness of their hearts, choose to donate an organ to a friend, a loved one or even a stranger. It needs to be said clearly for the House, sir. Live organ donors are national heroes. The current compensation regime amounts to the equivalent of the sickness benefit and it inadequately recognises and supports the hardship that these individuals face when they make the choice to give up an organ in order to save a life. The second purpose of the bill, sir, is to reduce the financial barriers to becoming a live organ donor. We know that one significant barrier to people becoming a live organ donor is the financial hardship that donors suffer through lost wages and other associated costs of recovery.
0: National List MP Chris Bishop, who was showered with praise from fellow backbenchers around the Chamber after his compensation for live organ donors bill attracted cross-party support for its third and final reading. The next two members' bills had the opposite effect, dividing the House right down the middle. Labour leader Andrew Little's Our Work, Our Future bill and the Residential Tenancies' Safe and Secure Rentals Amendment bill sponsored by the Greens' co-leader Materia Ture were defeated 61-59. to 59. National United Future and Act on one side, Labour, the Greens, New Zealand First and the Maori Party on the other. Mr Little, though, had high hopes for his bill, which would have required the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Enterprise to give increased priority to local enterprise and employment in its procurement policies.
3: Mr Speaker, this is a landmark occasion. It's the first time that uh, I can find in the history of this Parliament that a leader of the opposition has not only had two bills drawn from the members' bill process, but that both bills are before the House at the same time. And this House... This House has been very generous in so far by majority supporting the Healthy Homes Guarantee Bill and I'm sure that the same spirit of cooperation and collaboration will apply in relation to this bill as
0: well. In the event of that not occurring, Mr Little's finance spokesman Grant Robertson had obviously been working on a plan B.
2: It is time in New Zealand that we backed... Our people. We backed our companies and we put decent work for New Zealanders at the top of our agenda. That's what the next Labor government will do. This kind of legislation will pass when we come into government next year.
0: Across the chamber, National List MP Brett Hudson joined his caucus colleagues in consigning Mr Little's bill to the parliamentary dustbin.
1: Mr Speaker, this is an atrocious bill. It should be thrown out. I do not commend it to the House. Bowen, Andrew, Bowen, what a fool! Order, 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 order,
0: order now. And there'll be another Members' Day on Wednesday, as confirmed by the Leader of the House, Jerry Brownlee, in his Thursday business statement.
1: Uh, Mr. Speaker, when the House resumes on Tuesday, the 6th of December, the government will look to complete the remaining stages of the Hiranui Kaikoura earthquake recovery bill, the second reading of Tiawa uh, Tapu Wanganui River claim settlement bill. And the third reading of the Rangatana Omana II Claim settlement bill and a number of other bills from the order paper, Wednesday, the seventh of December, will be a Members' Day.
0: The Leader of the House, Jerry Brownley, I'm Tom Fruin, and this programme is brought to you with funding from Parliament.